if what you're doing is focusing year to year on what do we have to do to win the World Series this year? You might be one of the teams that's laying in the mud and can't get up for another decade. So we're actually doing the fan base a favor and asking for their patience. Eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Dave Softy Muller from KJR Sports Radio in Seattle is going to join us in a second to talk about, among other things, that audio you heard coming back from break. That was Mariners president of baseball ops, Jerry DePoto, talking about the goal to win 54% of your baseball games. Having the gall to want to win the World Series at the start of the year. And what's oh. more, but he's doing it for the fans. It's, well, they need to have more patience, obviously, in Seattle, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, they're real short on that in Seattle. Uh, okay, so our Mariner, two... Mariners fans are known for just, like, constantly wanting to win every year. Like, <laughs> our, God, how many World Series titles do you need? Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Softy Mahler here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Softy. How are you? What's happening? How did you receive, and how did your listeners receive those remarks from Jerry Depoto yesterday? Uh, not good, right? Yeah. I mean, I just think about where they were a year ago at this time. They just made the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. They pushed the Astros in three straight games and lost an 18-inning one nothing battle in Game 3. They had just traded for Luis Castillo. They locked up Julio Rodriguez to the largest contract potentially in sports history. Gave Castillo an extension, had money to spend in free agency. They were hosting the all-star game, had maybe the best young pitching staff in baseball. There was so much momentum, right, heading into 2023 at this time a year ago. And to be in the polar opposite situation of where we thought they were going to be and the lack of goodwill towards the franchise is just mind-boggling. I've never seen a franchise that is able to take any shred of momentum and just rip it up and spit it back out the way the Mariners have. It is really insane to watch. So what was he thinking? Was that just him being self-serving or like, I'm trying to be as kind as I possibly can. Was he trying to like give the Mariners fan base like a pep talk? Like things are going great here. Don't worry. Stick with us because it, it, right. it came off as like self-serving and lacking accountability and just lacking like, empathy for a fan base that you want to be excited about your ball club was excited about your ball club, but had a really bad final month of the season and missed the playoffs. Well, I just think that their PR savvy is in the toilet and it's been that way for a long, long, long time. I mean, this, this predates Jerry DePoto guys. This goes back to Chuck Armstrong and Howard Lincoln and Jack Zarenzik and even John Stanton, you know, anybody of note in that organization, for some reason, when they open up their mouth, the wrong things come out. Uh, I don't know if the Mariners are just lacking a PR team that can educate and coach these guys on what to say and what not to say. 
in public. You know, you got a GM that's asking fans to be patient, which flies in the face of what the president of business operations, Katie Griggs, back in February at the local sports star banquet, said the exact opposite, that they're done asking fans to be patient. This has been 47 years and the only team left in baseball to never play in a World Series. Uh, And yet now you have the general manager, uh, the president of baseball operations, if you will, coming out, you know, seven months later, uh, asking the fans to be patient. So it really is just insane how they just continue to fumble the ball when it comes to their PR skills. I don't know what he was thinking, saying something like that. You know, I think in the end, you kind of understand what he's saying. If you win a certain percentage of your games over a 10-year period, you're likely to play in the World Series. Uh, you know, there's been six teams in the last 10 years, or five teams, sorry, in the last 10 years that have won 54% of the games they've played. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cardinals, Cleveland, Houston, and three of the five have gone to the World Series. So I understand what Jerry Depoto was saying, but the timing of what he said was unbelievably poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just had a heartbreaking end of the year. Uh, At the end of August, you won 21 games. You thought you were going to head back to the postseason and maybe do some damage when you got there. You did nothing of note at the deadline to improve the baseball team, Uh, and this is the time that you come out and start dropping analytics and data on people and trying to justify your approach to what you did this year, which ended up as a failure. So the, the timing of it was just unbelievably sad by Jerry DePoto. And there's a, you know, guys, I hate to go on a rant here, but there's kind of an arrogant approach that these guys take to the press and to the fan base, Uh, almost a, you know, we know better than you type scenario. Um, And they've looked for a group of guys that have only been in the playoffs one time in eight years and have never been to the world series. You know, the, the root of the arrogance is just perplexing. It really is perplexing that they have that tone with people considering they've been here for almost a decade and they've only seen the playoffs one time. Why they have that arrogant tone is beyond me because they haven't earned it yet. Yeah, I don't get why some people's PR strategy seems to be let's say let's let's make sure that everyone knows we're the smartest guys in the room. That just puts a target on you. You know, like oh, we sure. Yeah, and, like, and look, I mean it's just it it's it's not a good way to develop uh, trust with your fan base. You know, what, what does it mean in the end? Does it mean that fans won't buy tickets? Does it mean that they won't buy jerseys? Does it mean that they won't shop at the team store? Well, maybe over the off season heading into this holiday season, you won't see as many people doing things like that. But if the team wins, uh, the fans will come out. They drew 2.7 million people this year, which was really good. Right. I mean, this is a baseball team that has only been to the playoffs one time in 22 years, and yet they're drawing over two and a half million people. So they win, the fans will come out. But there's a difference between winning in the regular season and making the playoffs and making the World Series. And that's what this town deserves. And that's what this town now expects. I mean, the reason why you went through this rebuild where you stunk on purpose for three or four years was to eventually play in the World Series, uh, not just to make the playoffs and not just to get there and have a you know a, a, a short series win over Toronto uh, in a three-game series. That, that, that's not why the Mariners are doing what they're doing. They're doing all of this, I would assume, to make the World Series. So when you don't do that and when you don't give every effort seemingly to make that happen, the fans get annoyed, and the fans are massively annoyed right now. I have not seen this Mariner fan base this angry at the Mariner front office in a long, long time. Are the Mariners cheap, Softy? 
I think they are. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to compare it to your competition, right? In the division, uh, the Rangers and Astros are spending over $100 million more than what the Mariners are spending. The Blue Jays are spending over $80 million more than what the Mariners are spending. And you're in, you know, a top 12 market in baseball. Uh, you got a big-time economy in the city of Seattle, bunch of Fortune 500 companies. The team is worth well over $2 billion now compared to what they paid for it, you know, 30 years ago. John Stanton and Chris Larson, who are the principal owners of the baseball team, they've been around for 25 years. So they've made money. They've made a gigantic return on their investment. And the fact that they have not been able to commit significant dollars to free agency in a sport where there's no salary cap, I think it's really, really hard for people to not think that they're a little bit frugal with their money. I mean, look, they've done a phenomenal job with the minor league system, the pitching staff, Julio Rodriguez, the bullpen, amazing, going out and getting Teoscar Hernandez, fine, great, whatever. But last year you had an unbelievable crop of free agent shortstops and infielders, and they did nothing with it at all. Now you're looking at a free agent crop that outside of Shohei Otani doesn't look anywhere near what it looked like a year ago. So, yes, I think there's absolutely reason to believe that this front office is cheap. Well, you just you brought up the unicorn, so I'll ask you now. Between what you just said and what Jerry DePoto said yesterday, is it fair to suggest that Otani is just a pipe dream for Seattle? No, I don't think so, but I think they have to commit to it. I think they have to commit to making the biggest offer. Uh, they have to commit to making him the highest, you know, or making themselves the highest bidder. I don't know if they're willing to do that, honestly. I I don't know if John Stanton and Chris Larson and the rest of the ownership group, if they wake up every day demanding a World Series title. As a matter of fact, I know they don't, because if they did, it would have happened by now. Okay, this is a sport where you can spend as much money as you want. I've, I've, I've argued for years before Paul Allen passed away that you love what Paul Allen did for the Seahawks, obviously, but he owned the wrong team. If he would have owned the Mariners as the richest owner in baseball, things would have been drastically different for this franchise in the last 15, 20 years. So, you know, look, uh, why people are so against them spending money, I I have no idea. Uh, The Padres may have fallen short. The Mets may have fallen short this year. But the one thing you can't do as a fan of either one of those teams is say the owners weren't going for it. All of them were going for it. The Padres spent hundreds of millions of dollars. The Mets did the exact same thing, and it didn't work. It, it's proven over time in baseball that if you're in the top ten in spending, you've got a really good shot of being in the mix for a World Series title. Every now and then, a team like Tampa Bay, every now and then, a team like Baltimore that will have a great farm system will step up and make a run. But consistently, if you want to compete in this game, you have to spend money, and the Mariners haven't done that. We're speaking to Dave Softy Mahler from KJR Sports Radio in Seattle here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650K. Let's pivot over to the Seahawks, who made a big show out on Monday Night Football, specifically Devin Witherspoon. But there was a lot going on besides just Witherspoon. There was the 11 sacks, which ties a team record. It was a thumping on the national stage. But I got to ask you, Softy, we t- just talked to Nick Shook from NFL.com about the Seahawks part of this. I got to ask you, you're watching the Giants play football on Monday night. What are some of the words that are coming to mind as you watch that performance from Brian Dable and Daniel Jones and the rest of the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I just think that their offensive line was a disaster on Monday night. But here's the thing, guys. The Seahawks had 11 sacks on Daniel Jones and that giant offensive line. The Niners the week before had two uh, on that offensive line. And I realized that the biggest difference was the Giants were not missing their left tackle. 
in that game against San Francisco, but that there's no way that one guy is worth nine sacks, right? I mean, come on. And so the, it, it's absolutely partly the giant offensive line being uh, completely awful. It's also the Seahawks pass rush taking a big step. I mean, they were a disaster in the Ram game in week one, and now they are tied for the league lead in sacks. It's incredible what one game can do for you, right? And Andy Dickinson, uh, or Dickerson, sorry, is the, the offensive line coach for the Seahawks. And go back and look at their offensive line and, and, and what they were dealing with in the fourth quarter of that game on, on, on Monday night against the Giants. There, there, there was not one player in the spot he was supposed to be in when the season kicked off against the Rams a month ago. Because uh, Evan Brown, your starting center, was playing guard. Phil Haynes was out. So the rookie, Anthony Bradford, was playing the other guard. Uh, Olu Oluwatemi, the rookie from Michigan, was playing center. And because Charles Cross and Abe Lucas were out, you had Jake Curran and Stone Forsythe to tackle. So you did not have one player in the spot he was supposed to be in for the opener against the Rams, and yet they protected Geno Smith. Yeah. Yet they kept him upright the entire game, except for the hit on the sideline, obviously, uh, which was not on the offensive line because Geno was on the run. So, look, uh, what Andy Dickinson has done as the offensive line coach for the Seahawks this year absolutely needs to be commended. If the NFL did a uh, assistant coach of the month award, which they should do, this guy would be the runaway winner. What he's done with the Seahawks offensive line has been phenomenal. Well, speaking of coaches, is there a happier coach in the NFL than Pete Carroll? It seems like, like this is he's his always co- happy. Yeah. You know but you know what? Hey, here, here's a question that we ha- we have for you. How much in hindsight did Pete hate the let Russ cook era? I think he hated it to death. That's why he traded him. Okay. I mean, yeah. you got a guy who, uh, at, at, at least we can debate, you know, maybe top five, top 10, but top half quarterback in the NFL. Okay. Probably top 10 when he left Seattle in the NFL, if not even maybe better than that. And they dumped him. Teams don't do that. Teams just don't dump quarterbacks like that when it's so hard to find a guy at that position of that caliber in the NFL and you have one and you dump him. What are you nuts? I think that shows you right there. The relationship between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson had frayed beyond repair. And then you hear all the stories that are coming out later about Russell Wilson tried to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired. You know, look, that stuff doesn't sit well with a guy like Pete Carroll, who's had his back the entire time that he's been here. He made him, you know, a star, uh, took a chance and made him a third round draft pick at number 75 overall. And look at the impact that that selection has had on the National Football League because Russell Wilson had success in the NFL. And because Pete Carroll gave him a shot, Kyler Murray went number one. Bryce Young went number one. These are guys that 10, 15 years ago, nobody we would, would have ever considered taking guys that small at number one overall. It's because of the success that Russell Wilson had and the job that Pete Carroll did with him. The difference is, is that when they brought in Russell Wilson, they already had the offensive line. They already had the running game. They already had the wide receivers and they already had the best defense in the national football league. Russell Wilson was the last piece to that puzzle not the first piece to that puzzle like Kyler Murray was in Arizona and Bryce Young is in Carolina. So look, it, it obviously was the right move in the end to move on from him. And it's the gift that keeps on giving Devin Witherspoon who had the pick six and two sacks on Monday night is the guy they got with the number five pick they got from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade, man, the Russell Wilson trade just keeps on bearing fruit for this football team. It's unbelievable. 
So the Seahawks have a bye week now, and it really couldn't come at a better time um, considering all their injuries. And then they go to Cincinnati to play a team that is not in a good way, and we'll see if Joe Burrow is even going to play in that game. Then they host Arizona and Cleveland, and then it gets a lot harder. Like, you've got trips to Baltimore. uh, you got two games against the Niners. you got to go to Dallas. You host the Eagles. I guess my question for you is how is how important is it the, that the Seahawks make hay now because things get a lot yeah. harder later in the season? Yeah, huge. I mean, Joe Burrow's got a lower passer rating than Zach Wilson does right now, so they got to take advantage of that. I mean, at some point in time, he's going to erupt and start playing the way he can play, and you just hope that doesn't happen against the Seahawks, but that they, they needed the buy. You're absolutely right with the amount of injuries they've got. On this football team, they they needed a break and needed to get healthy. Actually, both local teams, Washington and the Seahawks, both needed to buy this week. Uh, UW's got Oregon next weekend, and as you mentioned, the Seahawks have the Bengals. So both of them need a week off. But, yeah, I mean, November and December are going to be a pain in the butt for the Hawks. There's no doubt. You know, <laughs> go back and look at Washington's schedule in November. USC, Utah, Oregon State, Wazoo. Look at the – Look at the games that the Huskies and Seahawks yeah. will play in the month of November and the month of December. Every week is going to be a gigantic game for both these teams once the calendar turns to November. It's going to be unbelievable. How many games can the Huskies lose and still be in consideration for the playoff? One. 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 That's it. Yeah. They can lose one. Mm. They can lose one. Uh, you know, look, I, and. I don't even know if it really matters where that game is. If they're 12 and 0 and they lose the Pac-12 championship game to USC or whoever, I, I think a 12 and 1 Washington team makes the Final Four. You know, um, the issue with the Pac-12 is this: is that I'm concerned they're going to cannibalize themselves because the Huskies have that brutal November. Well, guess what? Everybody else has the same <laughs> thing. Oregon's got a brutal schedule. USC has a brutal schedule. Utah has a brutal schedule. Washington State, everybody plays each other in this conference. So everybody has an absolute pain in the butt of a schedule uh, at some point during the year. So I'm concerned that they're going to eat their own uh, and not have a one-loss team to represent in the Final Four. But this game with Oregon coming up, guys, in you know, 10 days from now, look, UW's banged up. They just lost potentially their best defensive lineman. Uh, we're hearing all kinds of rumors about Roma Dunze and his status for the game next weekend. We're hoping to get McMillan, Jalen McMillan, back on the football team. Uh, Asa Turner, uh, one of their best safeties, hasn't played in two weeks, so we'll see if he's even available for that game. The Ducks are going to get Noah Whittington back, I think, so they should have a trio of running backs that can stuff the ball down your throat, and Bo Nix is playing like a Heisman contender, so it's going to be an absolute war at Husky Stadium. Do you know there's a sports weekend coming up that a lot of people in Vancouver are looking forward to? Because the Thursday, November 23rd, is Seahawks Niners on Thursday night football. And that that's also yeah. the Saturday is the Apple Cup. But on the Friday that's also Thanksgiving Day, by that, the way, that, in this country. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. The Niners play on Thanksgiving Day in Seattle. Do you know the Friday's Canucks Kraken in Seattle? I did know that. Yeah. I did know that. And Saturday's the Apple Cup. That's that how how much fun is this next couple of months gonna be for well pretty Why much all of us? Why don't you guys get your asses down here for that weekend? Can you get us tickets? Seems expensive. <laughs> can I get you tickets? I can get you tickets. The problem is, can you guys get across the border? Are you guys allowed in 
to uh, the uh, the country. I think after so. What, after what you two did, are you allowed back in here? Yeah, we we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about it's that tough. Later. We don't like to have a conversation. It's not a great time hey, at the border for me, but down, I eventually get through. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what. If you guys want to come down for that for that week. I'm not going to the game on Thanksgiving Day because I'm going to be with my family on Thanksgiving Day. Right, right. But I will get you guys because you guys couldn't give a damn about Thanksgiving. That's whatever. That's not your deal. It's just a Thursday for you guys. It's just a Thursday. Come on for down us. For, for right. Come on down for the Niner game. I'll get you tickets. Yes. We'll get you tickets for the Kraken on Friday. Nice. For the Apple Cup on Saturday, and then you can come down and play golf in our Apple Cup tournament we have on Sunday, and then go home. What? This is incredible. Okay. We're going to do this. All right. Halford can caddy because he hates golf. What's that for an idea? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Softy, great Man, chatting with you. That's going to be like, the, like uh, the best four days of your life that, for you two. Honestly, that is incredible. Can I stay at your house? <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, hang on just a minute. Hang on just a second. Let me ask my wife. She's right here. Honey, can can the guys stay at our house over Thanksgiving week? Sure, absolutely. Oh, awesome. Aww. This is the best That's four days nice. of my life. You're in. All right. Thanks, Softy. Softy. You're the best. She's kicking, she's kicking me out to make room for you two. <laughs> Thanks, Softy. Appreciate this. Thank you, Softy. Right, man. Cheers, man. Uh, Dave, Softy Mahler from KJR. Sports Talk Radio. That was, uh, that was amazing, by the way. Are soon to, <laughs> Such his wife felt very resigned there with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our, yeah, sports radio talk show host and soon to be Airbnb host, which is nice. Yeah. So thank you, Soft. I assume, I assume he's divorced. I assume he's not getting Laddie and I tickets, though. I, probably that's out the window. Yeah. <laughs> are, are we pushing our luck here with that? I think he can bring a dog in for free. He's got a pay, no pets policy at the, the Mahler household, so I'm sorry about that. But you guys will be all right. That is going right. to be a crazy sports weekend, though. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. It is, and again, this is kind of like a, a jumping off point to what we've been talking about for the entire show. Mm-hmm. We just put a clip up online of how we're trying to embrace what an amazing time of year this is for sports. Mm-hmm. I understand that there are people that want in-depth, uh, what's his name, Bernard Docker talk? Docker talker? <laughs> Jake, Jake Whatever his name Bernard is. Bernard Docker? Yeah, yeah, hyphenated, like he plays midfield for Chelsea. He's got one of those hyphenated surnames. <laughs> Anyway, point being, there's a lot going on. You should, we should all be embracing this, yeah. right? This is a great time of year. We got through the dog days of summer, okay? Mm-hmm. We feigned interest in the Cincinnati Reds for like 48 hours. Like, we did these things <laughs> to get through the summer, right? The passionate talk about Ellie Dela Cruz. Right? We got, and we got crapped on for that, and that's fine. I don't care about, like, people firing, but just you've got to understand You've got to understand that there's more there's more to life than the Canucks sometimes, especially when they're in the middle of the preseason. How many times have we had this conversation on our show throughout the years? But 600? Yeah. yeah. And now I'm getting tweeted at by a dog. Tom, the, Tom the, do, the, doge, the dog coin. They spelled do, doge coin wrong. Anyway, this show is so bad. Too much ego. His opinion is already invalid if he's got a... Dojo too much ego? Yeah, and, and this is, yeah, but actually, this is why, as, as this show gets too meta, this is why I actually, I hate talking about this aspect of it, that it's a sports show, because people don't want to hear that either. Mm-hmm. They just want to hear the Canucks talk. So, I'll, you know what, I'll indulge the, a few people that texted in about Jacob Bernard Docker, okay? The kids call him JBD, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a junior baking classic at Wendy's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right, the JBC. Oh, now Listen. I understand 
the concept of taking a flyer. I understand the notion of, well, waivers are free. You get to pick the guy up. And I understand that he's got draft pedigree. He was a first-round pick five years ago. I'm going to tell you the exact problem with bringing that guy in as a solution. Is you told your group, which includes Noah Juleson and Cole McWard, that you guys had to be on board and then we needed a 100% complete buy-in to this season. You got to show up to Vancouver three weeks before training camp and skate your bag off at UBC and work hard and buy-in and dedicate to this team. You cannot tell a guy to do all that. And then the moment that some fringe NHLer becomes available for free, that he's going to be your first line or first pair defenseman. Mm. It doesn't work. Yeah. Like, all due respect to JBD, but he got cut from Ottawa, and he got cut from Ottawa early in the process. It's not like he made it all the way through the preseason, and they had this painstaking decision to part ways with yeah, him. And you're going to throw him in and be like, you're on the top pair, by the way, you guys play McDavid in the first two hey, games. Yeah, you have. Good luck. Yeah, you've played in Have like you met eight, Quinn before? He's good. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not a good look, and it's not a good solution. I appreciate that people are throwing it out there because you understand that there's an issue with the Canucks blue line is currently constructed. But that ain't the solution for a multitude of reasons, Mm -hmm. chiefly among them being, and I hate putting it this way, but you don't pick things off the scrap heap to solve your biggest problem. That doesn't seem like a good solution. Yeah. And it doesn't work for the guys that are currently on the team. Like if I was... If I was on the Canucks and I was working my tail off to try and be in that defensive committee, I would be taken aback. I would consider it a personal affront mm-hmm. if they scooped a guy off waivers from Ottawa. Yeah. Like, they're not even as good. I mean, Ottawa's basically where you are. Yeah. And then the loyal soldiers like, you know, Brisebois and Juleson and Willan and like one more of those guys has to get cut. Right. You know? Yeah. You only have a certain and amount it, of and contracts. And, it, and, and I think the key thing is, it's not going to solve the problem. You're still worried about it. You're like, who's this guy? Bernard Docker. Mm. Right? Like, is he so amazing that he's going to all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm no longer worried. The Ottawa Senators cut a guy and we picked him up. So it's not a problem anymore. And just to make sure that we make amends with all the listeners we may have offended, uh, we're giving away a bunch of stuff next segment. That's how you smooth it over in radio. You just give the peons some free stuff. So coming up, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks. Yeah, the Vancouver Canucks play on Friday at Rogers Arena in their preseason finale. We're also giving away a pair of tickets to see Guns N' Roses play on October 16th at Rogers Arena. If you want the Canucks ticket, put a ticket emoji in your what we learned. If you want the Guns N' Roses ticket, put a rose emoji in your what we learned. Send them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We'll read them on the other side. I have a what we learned just to uh, further lean into our audience and really embrace how much they want to hear about this. FIFA World Cup talk in 2030. Coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show.
8.33 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. It is what we learn time. I'm excited. I have a what we learned. Uh, I learned that when I said that peons, I wasn't talking to all of you. Everyone that wrote back and like, I guess I'm a peon. You're not a peon. You know, you're cool. You're cool. Yeah, you're cool. Yeah. John and Poco, not a peon. Yeah. Matt and Abby, not a peon. Everyone else. Everyone else. Yeah. It's, the other, it's the other ones I was talking about. the other about. peons. Yeah. <laughs> They're just being peons. I can't help it. <laughs> okay, look. Um, we're going to give away some stuff in a minute here. Uh, I want to do a what we learned, though. And this is actually pretty big in the global sporting world. The 2030 FIFA World Cup is going to be hosted everywhere. <laughs> so my backyard, almost, almost. My apartment's getting a game. It is. Yeah. Congratulations. So the host officially, or should I say hosts officially, are going to be Morocco, Spain, and Portugal. Okay, so kinda, ge- geographically that makes sense. Kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Spain, like, Portugal. Sure, Morocco's in Africa, Morocco. but it's very close to Spain well, and Portugal. Portugal, Gibraltar doesn't doesn't get any games. Let's focus on the okay the thing here. Now, there's also going to be part of this tournament that's going to be played in Uruguay, Argentina, and Paraguay. Now, I'm not sure <laughs> how your geographical knowledge in terms of strength is, but yeah. those three countries that I just mentioned. Are in South America, so why are that? Why are they doing it this way? Well, it's the 100th anniversary of FIFA, and the first World Cup in 1930 was played in Uruguay. Okay, so I think there's a sort of. So what does Argentina and Paraguay get get in on that? Glom onto it. Yeah, yeah. Par- um, Paraguayan leeches. The opening ceremonies will still take place in Morocco, Portugal, or Spain, but then following the first three matches. The next three are going to go to Uruguay, Argentina. It's a very bizarre decision. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not really sure logistically if this is going to work. It's so far out, right? It's seven years from now. Has the World so. Cup gotten too big for any one country to host it? Well, it's certainly following like, yeah. the Olympic model or the Euro model or something where it's like, yeah, individual countries can put in bids, but it might cripple the economy. But you can thank your lucky stars we don't live in Paraguay. <laughs> Except in 2030 when they'll get a World Cup game. So, I, I mean, that, that'll be an awesome World Cup. I may, it might be a little warm in Portugal, Spain, and Morocco at that time of the year. All six countries automatically qualify by nature of hosting. Mm. And it's the first time that the World Cup will be held across three continents because it's going to be Africa, Europe, and South America. So, I mean, again... I'm still trying to focus on the 2026 World Cup, <laughs> yeah. which, again, follows in this platform of a multi-country mm-hmm. host thing. But this takes it to another level. This is all courtesy of a report of David Ornstein at The Athletic. So uh, he's obviously got sources. I guess we'll get either confirmation from FIFA at some point, or maybe there'll be amendments to this. Because remember, when they initially awarded the World Cup to Qatar, they had to... I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there were some some logistical issues with hosting a World Cup in Qatar that they needed to overcome. Right. And they subsequently did that leading up to 2022. So the 100th anniversary of FIFA. Yeah. 
They should. The mascot should be a briefcase of cash. What a storied organization. <laughs> they call him Briefcasey. How did they last to 100? That's his name, right? Casey? The Casey first, the Briefcase. The first, first mascot to be outfitted with a gun. <laughs> All right, Moo Cow. Uh, does anybody have another one, or do we want to go to the humanoids? Laddie's pointing to himself. Go, Laddie. Take it away. Uh, as much as this pains me, I have to play a clip from a Twins fan. They broke the 18-year streak, right? So I heard this guy. A lot of weight off their shoulders, and then Fox News was down on scene, and they got to talk to a fan who was just, as you can hear clearly, uh, quite relieved that his team is no longer on an 18-game playoff losing streak. What, what happened to them? They won. They won. They won. They won. They freaking won. Curse is over. 18 years. It's done. We won. We're done. We won. One game. 2004. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. We won. We won. We won. We won. That sums it up. So I watched the, the clip. Sorry, who won? I watched we, one. Uh, we did. I watched the clip and I thought that guy was going to pass out. Mm hmm. He had the squirrely eye going on. Right. He was a little yeah. red in the face. Yeah. Well, but also, like, he felt like he was losing oxygen to his brain every time he said, <laughs> we won. He was out of breath, but he kept going and going and going. And you know what? That's why I wanted to start. We started the show this morning by playing the Twins call of that victory because it was great. Like, I know, Laddie, it was painful to watch the Jays lose. And I know. We that won. But you really, and you pointed this out, I don't think we really understood how painful a stretch that was. I couldn't believe people weren't making more of it. Like, oh, and by the way, the Twins have lost 18 straight in the playoffs. Oh, that seems like a sizable drought. So a guy came up to me at my kid's baseball practice yesterday, and he's like, man, that was a crazy Jays game. I can't believe that the Twins had lost eight straight playoff games. I'm like, buddy, they lost 18 straight playoff <laughs> games. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you missed the the quote. They haven't won a playoff game since 2004. It's mm -hmm. almost 20 years. Like A-Rod was playing for the Yankees. Everything was there. They've had like a million managers. A long time ago. Yeah. Paul Molitor, Ron Gardenhire, you go all the way back. Well, Gardenhire's career itself is like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. The entirety of that. Right, yeah. Because you were saying the uh, YouTube documentary about the streak that you watched. Yeah. A-Rod a was still doing the thing, mm -hmm. right? He wasn't a media mogul at that point. I, did, I watched like five seconds of it. Uh, it's a long, it's two hours is a long time. Yeah, I was like, right? we get it. 18 games, that's a long yeah. time. It's like the last version of those untold documentaries. All right, give us a mook out because we got to get to the winners and we got to get to the Dunbar Lumber text line. Okay, um, fire up the dot matrix. What we learned, Humanoid Edition, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Andy, better known as A-Dog, are you prepared to give away some tickets to our listeners, specifically tickets to see the Canucks and Flames on Friday at Rogers Arena, and then tickets to see Guns N' Roses on October 16th, also at Rogers Arena. I, I could do the Guns N' Roses one. I have Let's that one do up. that. Okay. Uh, what we learned, Rose Emoji. We have learned that 650 listeners will never, ever... Stop it, Greg. We have learned that 650 oh listeners God, will... you guys are, <laughs> are like brothers. Yeah. Stop it, Greg. Stop it, Greg. Get out of my room. Uh, yeah. Greg <laughs> is not giving loud. me the support right now that I need Stop it, to get Greg. through this. Uh, we have learned that 650 listeners will never, ever be happy with what is discussed on air. There's more to sports than discussing Rick Tockett's defend by comedy approach for the 10th time this morning. Get on your night train out of here and sit back and enjoy the show. Tim in Vancouver. 
just going to see some Guns N' Roses. Congratulations, Tim in Vancouver. Very well done. Nice okay. night train ride. Can I poke him with a stick? <laughs> I think Bob won the, Bob won the uh, Canucks ticket, so I'll read his, okay. what we learned. The Blue Jays just do not have the it factor. They can't handle big games and big pressure. If they lose today, it's time to blow up the team and rebuild or just retool. <sighs> So this one nice. really got under Laddie's skin. Nice. So this is why Bob won. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm experiencing a very weird feeling because I am technically a Jays fan, mm-hmm. but I don't like this team, and I'm enjoying watching them lose. Oh, so you're like every other Jays fan? <laughs> yeah, like okay. I don't think it's unique. Yeah, like it's it's there's something about this team. And frankly, if the Canucks don't do well this year, I think a lot of people would be saying it about this Canucks team. Like, they don't have that it factor. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of just like, they just make they just make the wrong plays at the wrong time. You could tell, like, they were losing their composure during this game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ruff like, doesn't like the youthful exuberance. That's what it is. Well, hey, you know what I noticed, by the way? You know what I noticed? The Twins had a home run jacket. Yeah, Wesley Financial. They were sure having a good time. I did notice. I think the Jays, I thought the, I thought the Jays were supposed to be this mature team because they graduated their home run jacket, right? Like, oh, it was time for baseball now, right? Like they just like they they seem to be just like searching for like any solution, but nobody really knows what it is. You know, sometimes when you're always looking for identity, that becomes your identity. That's deep, right? Man, that is that That's is actually deep. your identity. It's like is, watching the toaster pop. Your identity yeah. is yeah. you're lost. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And uh, you're not alone in thinking this group is kind of unlikable. You've mentioned it on a handful of occasions, Laddie, right? They were more likable last year when they were like fun loving and running all over the place and home run jackets. But then jackets you had the, the, and- the purists saying, oh, they need to. Tighten it up. That's why they're so sloppy out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I well, get they tighten it up, and they're that's still how it's sloppy. Get rid of that right. damn jacket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cut your hair. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I get it, right? But I will say, um, it's really unfortunate for the Jays that the Twins ended their streak of futility because the new futility streak is the Jays. Yeah, at eighteen though, haven't, haven't won a playoff game in the Bo and Vladdy era. It's it's too night. Nice and neat and tight of a narrative to ignore. It's there. Right? It's going to be fun, by the way, when we come in tomorrow. We're like the Jays won. They're back. Hosea, you know what? They the showed. Really hot they showed that they've got that it factor. I'm, you know what? I, I don't. The think, Twins are such a disaster. They don't take they don't take it seriously enough. I don't think that they should have started Barrios. I think they should have started Bassett today. I'm, I'm a big believer in Bassett, but there is something I think to the fact that. This is Barrios' old team. That's what I'm worried about. That's what about. They're, they're banking on. And I, I, it's big in hockey, right? The guys with the money on the board. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Look at. They, I, hope they don't, I hope they don't need money on the board <laughs> no. for the <laughs> elimination. But the, but the twins, they weren't rebuilding, but they just didn't see a future where they needed Barrios. I would take that personally if I yeah. was Jose Barrios. Right? I just hope it doesn't go too far. Like the emotion gets too right. much and he gets rattled. And he asks for a new baseball every 11 seconds. Keith, the grip with the what we learned. What we learned, there are still tickets available to see the Canucks and the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard's homecoming on January 22nd. They're, Keith says they're not too expensive yet, but I bet closer to the game they'll start getting crazy. Get them while you can. Uh, Keith, have you actually checked the ticket prices? Like this is they're dynamic pricing. They're crazy. Um, and the reason... The reason they aren't all sold out yet is because they're like crazy expensive. 
easily that like the cheapest ticket in the in the house is I think like 150 bucks or something like that. If you want to sit in the lower level, um, like even in the bad seats in the lower level, you're looking at almost 400 bucks. Yeah. Like that's face price. Mm-hmm. It's expensive, man. And what's it called? Dynamic pricing. Yeah, you know what dynamic pricing is, right? I just didn't know. I, like, I would have like, called it surge pricing, like with, with Uber. <laughs> yeah, surge pricing yeah. is dynamic pricing. Yeah. So, Gouge you when it's popular yeah. pricing. The big games. but <laughs> Yay, capitalism. You can kind of like make a case for like every team that comes in to be a big game, right? Yeah. Maybe not St. Louis or something like that. Or like, watch the Stanley Cup champs from three years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, not to promote a third-party app, but I have used it. Have you ever used Game Time? Um, it's great for yeah, last minute. It. I've, it's I've good never for last minute one time tickets. and it worked out. Yeah, good yeah. for last minute tickets. I've never, I've never, uh, like I've used StubHub a few times, and man, the fees on that thing are just insane. Yeah, I mean the right? fees are brutal. Like, but... It's just you're like, oh, I got it for this much. No, I didn't. There's oh, only... it's an American price. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the game time too. You're like, whoops, a daisy. Wow, this is a great price. How's oh, the US Looney dollars? doing today? <laughs> oh no, I know, man. T- tickets are expensive. Like it's a crazy time right now, and mm-hmm. the e- I mean, the the economy is a weird time because yeah. nobody feels comfortable with the economy, but everyone's like, uh, yeah, prices keep going up. Right? It's a it's an odd time, and it's uh, it's an uncertain time, and. I think there's a lot of people out there that are that are looking at their monthly expenses and going, I don't, you know, I like Connor Bedard, but mm-hmm. I just don't know if I can afford to pay that. And you're at home him, and you're like, right? look at Connor Bedard on 4K. Hey, it was What's a lot right? cheaper yeah. to buy tickets when he was playing the Giants last year, and that's, he's here for the prospects game. That's so. true, Greg. You missed your chance, folks. If you can't afford the Canucks prices, Laddie's being that guy. I was like, yep. oh, I watched him when he was in junior. Well, that's why you watch juniors to get the hipster uh, cred, right? Mm-hmm. You get to say you <laughs> watched guys. That's the only reason you do. The only reason. Hipster cred. Yeah. Uh, Stephen and Langley hashtag WWL. What we learned. I learned that you guys sound like the Mariners GM. It's actually the president of baseball ops. By telling your listeners to be patient about what you talk about. Yeah, we're actually doing you a favor teaching you about other sports besides the Canucks. Yeah. We're giving you That didn't sound arrogant, did it? We're giving you fifty four percent non Canucks content. And like Jerry DePoto, you'll be fired in about thirty days. <laughs> yeah, right. And nobody likes us publicly. Um no, you know, I'll just I'll just say this. I do um I try to be hesitant about getting to meta and talking about the show on the show and the content of the show. Cause I know some of you just want either entertainment or just the connect stuff in this, the short window that you have available to watch. All I can say is sorry. That's it. Man, quit being peons. What else we got? Uh, Eric and Port Moody, what we learned. It's nice knowing there might be a team more frustrating to support than the Vancouver Canucks. I support the Whitecaps, the Canucks, and Spurs, Tottenham, and the Mariners are infinitely more frustrating than all of them. Wow. Infinitely more frustrating Hmm. than the Canucks, the Whitecaps, and Tottenham? That is a frustrated Mariners fan. And actually, like, I was kind of proven wrong yesterday because I talked to Mariners and people in Seattle being like, yeah, whatever. Like Seahawks, Huskies, they got some big games coming up. Mm -hmm. Who cares about the Mariners? Because the response to Jerry DePoto's like words yesterday were like there was emotion, there was frustration. And I think it just showed that like the Mariners fan base actually has been reinvigorated the last couple of years. And of course, making the playoffs last year helped, but now there are those expectations out there and the way the condescending way whether he meant to or not that depoto addressed the late season collapse 
really angered up the blood of Seattle sports fans. I take it a step further. I thought what DePoto said yesterday was the most interesting thing in all of sports. Because it was big picture and philosophical, and it can apply to every single organization, every single professional sport. There was a real sort of basic, raw, elemental feeling to it where it's like, what are we doing here? Like, are we in the business of winning titles? Mm-hmm. Or are we in the business of something else? It's a great, like, philosophical debate. Are you obliged to try and go for it every instance that you get? Or are you doing irrational fans a favor by saying, no, slow and steady is going to win us the race? Keep your powder dry kind of an attitude. I just think it's fundamentally different in baseball and the NHL. Like, the NHL long-term planning, you have to have long-term planning because of the hard cap system in baseball. You know, I know it doesn't work all the time, and the New York Mets, San Diego Padres are a perfect example of that. You can't just throw money at a problem and expect it to work, but like Softy says, right, like there aren't many teams that aren't among the big spenders that win World Series. Sure. I get it. I do. And in baseball, you can still have... Like in hockey, there's no one like I just don't you're a want. cheap owner that one like you have to pay us. Everyone's up against the cap in the NHL right now. In baseball, the difference in payrolls is stark. There's a but there's a juxtaposition about sports and fandom where you have to kind of balance your logical mind with your illogical mind. Logically, I get it. Probably doesn't make sense to go gambling and go all in and go big and make big splashes when the reality of the situation is that there's only going to be a handful of clubs that are really going to truly be able to compete. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I love that dopamine hit. Yeah. Give it to me, right? Give me the big free agent splash. Well, it's funny. Like I'm sure there's some Canucks fans that would love to hear whoever's running the Canucks talk like in some ways like Jerry DePoto does. Yeah. Like, we have a 10-year plan. Like, 10 years? God, I'm, I'm looking for a five-year plan, yeah. right? Like, 10 would, years, that's amazing. He's using words like sustainable. He's he's saying things like getting into the playoffs just isn't enough. We want to win. They actually have the Mariners. They have a mission statement that they put out a few years ago, and yeah, they right. said, like, it was basically, like, I'm paraphrasing here, but it said, like, we want to win multiple win World Series. Like, yeah. that is our mission. Just getting to the playoffs is is not enough. People in Vancouver have been dying to hear something well, like that. The question Drance posed but to Rutherford, and then he said, what, three years? And Rutherford went, oh, that's three years. Three, three years is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Like, like they, <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> loads of time. It's, it's, it is funny to see these two, fan, two, two franchises, like both that have been <laughs> – They've been in the leagues for a long time without winning a championship. And down in Seattle, you're like, they're like, you know, like, stop with this patient stuff. Like, get off your wallet and make some moves. Sign some free agents. And in Vancouver, they're like, slow down. Just slow down. Just stop spending yourself into problems all the time. And I think the systems, the CBA, the systems is a, has a lot to do with it. Mm. If you're a baseball fan... You don't want to hear, like, we're very efficient. <laughs> you want right. to hear, like, we got a lot of money. You want to be the Dodgers, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, you want to yeah, be yeah. the Dodgers. Yeah, you, you want to be like, yeah. like well, Whoever's know, the biggest free agent is, we're yeah. in on it. And, and, yeah, and it the, the, see, in hockey, like, if you go big on a free agent and it's a disaster, like, the player doesn't pan out, you're like, we are screwed, right? Like, the Oliver ekman Larson contract, it wasn't a free agent signing, but it was similar to a free agent signing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, man, our options aren't great here. I guess we'll have to buy them. In baseball, if your owner's rich, if, like, you're the Dodgers, you're like, 
Yeah, yeah, whatever. The hardest part of a buyout is convincing your owner, hey, can we buy this guy out with your money? Yes? Okay. No, the hardest part of the buyout in hockey is the cap hit. Yeah, I mean, in baseball, yeah. though. In, yeah, in, base, in baseball, you get go to your owner and you're like, yeah, we wasted a lot of money on yeah. this guy, right? The good part is he's gone. That's the exciting You part. can make it happen um, with some money. I do need to clarify one thing. I think I said uh, more than once that the October 16th Guns N' Roses concert is at Rogers Arena. Wrong venue. It's a BC place. I apologize if I confused anybody in the moment. but uh, hope- De- Devin Rec Center, actually. Well, hopefully that didn't change anybody's mind. Like, I don't want to go anymore. I'm I- pretty I- sure they'll take the free tickets to DNR. <laughs> Uh, BC Place and Rogers is. Arena are really close to one another, if that makes it easier for you. It's not like a huge stretch. To They're located in the, the same other. city. Yeah, like I think you should parking available for both. I think you should be okay. But thank you to the listener who pointed that out. Uh, if nothing, this show wants to be accurate. And at times controversial. And at times talking about the, the Canucks. Games. will practice this morning at UBC for the non-playing group. 10.30 in the morning practicing at UBC for the non-playing group. We'll see if Petey goes out and skates. Yeah, right. Or if he's still sick. Uh, Petey won't play tonight in Abbotsford against the Kraken. There is no game day skate for the Canucks. 7 p.m. Uh, game against Seattle in Abbotsford. Enjoy all the baseball today and enjoy everything else. Don't forget, Blue Jays are on at 1 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 650. Signing off for now. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.